0: Hello everyone and welcome to the final episode of Deserted Island Dads. That's right, it's been a busy summer, but it's time to get back into the swing of things. First, we have Historic Fest. You've heard me talk about it. It's just coming up in a couple of weeks. Less than two weeks, actually. And after Historic Fest, Rich and I will be back with your regularly scheduled episode. Now, this one's coming out a little later than I anticipated. Just crazy work schedule, con prep, and uh, two kids running around. A little busy, but... This is a good one. My good buddy Art with Trainwreck Games. And I'm not just saying this, I think the quality of his YouTube videos is some of the best out there. It's not the most frequent stuff, but we all have busy lives, so when he does post something, it's pretty great. But all that stuff aside, Art's just a great guy to hang out with, talk to, play RPGs with, play war games, sit back and enjoy this one. I had a lot of fun with Art. And I had a lot of fun with this series, um, more fun than I thought, and I think the overall feedback has been good. So if you've enjoyed Deserted Island Dads and want to continue to hear guests where we just talk war games and board games and all the other stuff that life throws at us, let me know and uh, maybe we'll keep this thing going. So here you go, without further ado, here's Art, uh, and we'll see you in a couple weeks for History on the Table. Thanks. Hello, friend, and welcome ashore. Welcome to the island. You'll be uh, You'll be happy to know that I think I saw Miyazaki go stumbling by (laughs) i don't know if it's a good thing is that like weird things are going to go on on the island like are we going to get stuck in a hunter's dream or are we just going to have a good time
1: i feel like it can't be a bad thing but it's going to get weird
0: yeah probably a little bit weird well uh things may have gotten just a little bit weirder because we had our good buddy art recently wash ashore art of train wreck games as well as a uh, frequent rpg actual play host and one-time post uh co-host of advanced after combat right
1: uh that's right i did get a shot at uh at the glory yeah very kind to uh to have me on as are you thank you for having me here
0: yeah well th- thanks for being here uh did i forget anything is there anything else you want to plug about yourself no it's, it's a pretty short list i feel like that covers it yeah well i know you don't uh you don't seem to promote it as much as you should, but art does have an awesome YouTube channel. It's called Trainwreck games. And just take this compliment. Your video quality is some of the finest looking actual play of war games that I've seen.
1: I appreciate that. It's something I have to say. Um, I mean, I think we've all seen Callendale do videos and some of us have seen that and taken one thing or another from it. And My background, I mean you probably know this, but other people might not. You know, I've gone to film school, that was sort of my background. And I think I sort of saw that and I was like, oh, you know, not that I have his ability to work through games, but I do have some knowledge of how to film stuff. And I just try and keep it simple. I just try and make it clear. Um, and if you check out the channel, there's not a lot of content at the moment. We (laughs) I had a space it got flooded and we haven't quite figured it all out since then, even though it's been a few months. And, but I, but I thought, you know, there might be ways to do the camera part of it might be ways to do this part of it. And that was actually the, the aspect of it that sort of drew me towards taking a crack at it. Um, yeah. And it's just trying to think of ways to solve not problems, but things I noticed in certain other YouTube videos where it's just like, I just want to see the play. Uh, I might get motion sick sometimes because I have like because I'm a weakling and a lot of the movement, you know, is like a little, you know, uh flare witch sometimes and I, I I go, oh, oh god. So I was just trying to figure out ways to uh to simplify what you saw. Um so I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, it's a really slick looking just a top-down view, but you've you've done it well and you've done it right, and I appreciate those videos. Mm-hmm pans are gonna do i'm sure something we're gonna to talk to you bef- about before the <laughs> night's over i don't know if i necessarily you know applaud that choice but we can get into that before we get too far i guess i should say this is the final episode of deserted island dads oh. Our kind of uh filler episodes but really enjoyable past few weeks interviewing a few different guests uh where we just talk about deserted island games we'll do the hot seat and we'll just chat about you know, why we game and all, all those things. Nice. Yeah. So I guess, but I, one thing I thought of when I, when I brought up Miyazaki, like if you did wash ashore with someone and like assuming like your loved ones are here and all that stuff and you have the ideal war game partners, like you can assume all that stuff. So then if you could pick one other person to wash ashore.
1: That's an interesting question. Um, Just in general or specifically tailored towards like my, my gaming needs.
0: Yeah. I, I guess take it in either direction. I don't, how are you want to go with it? Uh, probably I would.
1: The person I spend the most time gaming with, not necessarily board gaming with, is my my brother. Um, so, you know, every weekend, you know, you know, a lot of people, you know, they'll text or call their family. But my brother and I, we jump online and we play something for a few hours every week and chat the whole time. So not to drag him into the dire existence of being stuck on an island. And he'd be like, oh, God, like <laughs> I, I don't want that at all um you're a nice guy art but you know like come on um but yeah probably if it were specifically just people to hang out with uh yeah because i was assuming you you meant like more immediate family like i've got a wife kids stuff like yeah, that right whoever you want here. hear yeah but uh yeah probably my brother or abraham lincoln is that the smart answer
0: hmm Um, I guess, like, is that is that really who you (laughs) want to spend the rest of your like final days with? I maybe. (laughs) That that puts a spin
1: on it. So whoever is coming, are we getting rescued or are we?
0: No, I think the conditions are pretty good. Generally speaking, we've had some nice people wash ashore. They're all bringing good games. All the stuffs here.
1: Eh, I think we're fine.
0: I'm gonna stay. Okay, cool. so How things are going? Yeah, I think I'll stay. (laughs) Then yeah, then I would pick my brother. Uh, And then
1: you know he might not be super into board games, but. You know, we'd probably figure stuff out to pass the time.
0: Yeah, we got a lot of time. Well, let's get into it. Let's get your first category out of the way. What is your deserted island card game?
1: So this was tricky um, because I usually there's a few areas that I'm pretty weak in and card games might be one of them. Like I've, I've actually I don't know if this is embarrassing or not, but I've never played magic. Uh, The closest I've ever come. I don't know if people know this is like a long time ago. They used to have like a battle tech game that I think was probably ripping off magic to some degree. Um, But that's the closest I ever got. But um, I think the game I would pick in this case is the Lord of the Rings card game. Um, Because I don't know. There's two main ones that I played. One is and they're both almost, you know, right down the same alley. Lord of the Rings and Call of Cthulhu. And I think. For this particular setting, even though I like Cthulhu one better, I think if it's the one that I got to spend a lot of time with, I think I might choose Lord of the Rings just because I'd be—I think I'd be playing it more for the, the experience in the setting than the mechanics or completion, in that regards. Um, and so I guess in that sense, I would just like you know what I'm going to get lost in Middle Earth, uh, compared to you know getting lost in. In uh, in New Hampshire or you know Maine or Massachusetts, <laughs>
0: home. Yeah, you know it's interesting. Last we had a conversation with uh, Marty from Rolling Dice and, and taking names, and he chose Arkham, and we went in this conversation of okay, why not the other ones? Okay, um, and I think it boiled down to he wanted the campaign, like he mm. wanted the story experience of Arkham on repeat. Oh, interesting. And so you're you're saying for you it's it's the set. And when I say all of them, I'm I'm considering Lord of the Rings, Arkham, and then Marvel are the three that fantasy flight currently supports. So there's been some in the past, of course. But so to me, it sounds like you're going for setting.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I'd be going for setting, just to you know, just to trigger the imagination. Not that again, this is probably a terrible thing to admit. Not that I'm a huge fan of the books, but I. I You know, I enjoy them in a way that I think I would want to spend time there um, and sort of let it sort of take over my imagination in that way. Um, And I I, have you ever messed with the Marvel ones? Are they they any good? Are they story driven the way?
0: No, they're more mission based. Okay, Um, like you just kind of set up to to go do your thing. And there are some that like carry over. Um, It's a very good game, Um, but nothing is quite as story driven. I have the recent reprint of the Lord of the Rings game. Haven't played it yet, but the Arkham one is just so story driven. Where and I've talked yes. about like it's I'm okay losing there just to see what the outcome is. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I, I you know I
1: apologize. I don't know like if you've already covered this ground in other in other ones. So I apologize if I'm sort of making it recycle uh, other conversations. Um, yeah, I, I that's the trick. Like I I think normal day-to-day life i would almost always pick call of cthulhu but there's something i think in this particular case where i know i'm sort of having to get locked in in a way and that I, I, for some reason that lord of the rings sort of stood out a little bit more when i started thinking about it
0: fair i like it you know one thing i forgot to acknowledge at the start is i know it's a monday night but it is we are recording memorial day early uh, are you drinking anything tonight
1: i am i like. I, I, I was mentioning to you earlier, it's it's really hot here. So I went with a gin and tonic just because I, I need that hydration. Um, yeah. So part of it has water in the title, uh, tonic water. So yeah, uh, gin and tonic. How about you? Did you go with something?
0: Yeah. You know what they say? There are no laws when you're drinking claws. <laughs> and that's where I'm at tonight. I am also then um, finishing off the, uh, the recently discussed bottle of Robert Mondavi uh mm. 1450 at your local liquor store so <laughs> very double nice. fisting very nice but, and um
1: the claw <laughs> is it white claws
0: yeah 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 are That's they any good of, i've never no, had a white claw no 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 look if you're gonna go if you want a seltzer i only recommend one brand there's a brand called high nudes and they hands down taste the best white claws and um I'm sure many others just taste like this fake shitty alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, high noons tastes like real fruit. Like your watermelon doesn't taste like some fake ass watermelon. It tastes like a real watermelon. Their pineapple one is oh. out of this world, and it doesn't have like any extra sugar. The high new ones are like, I don't know who makes them, but they're more natural maybe. I don't know. Those are the ones I like. Do we have to say allegedly there? allegedly natural? Yeah, probably. It's like lowercase natural or something like that. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, I I I do really like the high noon, like at the lake or something like that. If you're not trying, I guess it depends on your objectives. Like it's really hard to, you know, get lit off of high noons and white claws, right? But they're good. But th- that's the thing. If you just want to
1: buzz through eight hours without going too far over the limit, I guess. Right. Exactly. Oh, that makes sense.
0: All right. Yeah. So this podcast is brought to you by High Noon if only it's not it's actually white claw (laughs) exactly exactly oh man so you've never played magic huh i have
1: never played magic i i don't know do you know when that game came out like when it started becoming a thing
0: yeah 92 was magic i think oh really okay
1: So so that's the trick i i can tell you i never heard of it until I think I was out of college. Okay. So that might be a failure on my part. Um and so just, you know, to put things in context, I started college in 93 and I graduated in 97. So when I was at when I was in college, it wasn't something that really registered and it really didn't make its way I think to where I I was growing up at the time, you know, in pretty rural upstate New York. I don't think it really took off right when it came out. So I totally missed it for the longest time.
0: Did you have a a college gaming vice? Like, were you introduced to anything at college or or were you already familiar with something that like really took off once you had the freedom of college? Uh,
1: no, not in that regard. The thing I did in college most of all was played PC games. Um, I think, I I don't know if this is typical for a lot of people, but you know, I played a lot of role playing games, played a lot of like, maybe not a lot, but board games, middle school, high school. Uh, but then once I got to college, you know, I, I went to a small school. I don't know if it had a gaming club; it very well may have, but it was small enough that I I just never heard of it. And so, I ended up doing a lot of like video games uh, on my own. Like this is, you know, again, you know, putting in the time frame of ninety three to ninety seven. Like my sophomore year is the year our college got networked, um, oh. like with so a lot of kids immediately jumped on. I don't even know if Quake was a thing. It's definitely Doom two, but. You know, it sort of like this eye-opening experience where, you know, for the first time in our lives, we had like a networked, you know, campus or home or anything. And, uh, yeah, and ended up doing a lot of like PC gaming. Um, so when I got out of college, it took me a while to get back into board games. It took me, I think, maybe until after graduate school. And then I discovered um, that first hit is free, that is, uh, Board Game Geek. And started realizing that there was more to life than Axis and Allies, and then that's when the whole thing went off the rails.
0: Nice. And so, what was what was one of the uh, what was one of those games that derailed everything?
1: Uh, when I finally discovered uh, Board Game Geek,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, one of the first ones that really jumped out at me. So, because I cut my wargaming teeth, maybe I also have to say allegedly here. Uh, on Axis and Allies, that sort of grand World War two uh scope is what's always sort of piqued my interest. It's sort of like the first thing that jumped out at me. So the first thing that jumped out at me, my my first thing was chasing a better Axis and Allies. And the first thing that I saw was actually um is it called it's the block series from Columbia, East East Front, West Front. But uh-huh. is, is the whole thing called Eurofront or is that a separate module that does some of the linking but it's east front west front med front i think was one uh, I, I, I imagine now they're sort of compiled better
0: i have no idea what the to me that's always just been like front series so i don't know if there's any. okay
1: yeah so i i snagged those and then um then realized i had nobody to play them with and then they started <laughs> collecting dust on the shelf um and it never occurred to me to like just just play both sides um especially not a block game but at the time that concept didn't didn't even occur to me to just set it up and go.
0: And what was, I guess, so you're hunting down, you know, some of the replace access alleys, you discover East front. Yeah. Do you remember like, what was the first thing you were able to get to the table after that? Or Yeah, it was, um, boo, boo,
1: boo, boo, boo. The, the two I jumped at were the front series and, um, the one by GMT, they did a Pacific and they did a Europe, engulfed uh the Engulf series oh okay so i think uh you know i mentioned my brother in the desert island thing there were sort of three of us growing up um and so i got i went up to visit the the third one who wasn't obviously my brother but a very close friend of ours and uh i brought europe engulfed and we set it up and started going through it and we kind of liked it but we were like oh it's too bad that you know in order and I might be totally misremembering this because I only tried it once or twice, but there's a lot of freedom that I think you can access in Europe and Gulf, but if you go to the back of the rule book, but there's a lot of tracking. you know, there's a lot of it felt like to us at least there was a lot of things you had to to sort of track in order to create the open World War II sandbox experience. And at the time, I remember us thinking, that eh, that might be a lot of quote unquote paperwork in order to. To tackle that task so then the next time we got together to visit we tried east front um and we we played it very poorly but we had a good time
0: yeah it, and that's what matters like i've talked about this i i bungled the u.s civil war so badly on our first play and i still walked <laughs> away thinking this is one of the best gaming experiences i've ever had and if you don't mind me asking um had
1: you been i i don't know like sort of your history with you know playing war games was u.s civil war one of the first ones you jumped on had you been war gaming for a long time and that was just the next one you tried out and fell in love with it
0: yeah it was a little bit of blend of both so okay. we had played twilight struggle which was really my first like we had been playing euro games you know start with Catan and then ticket to ride yada 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 eventually my brother's like okay here's twilight struggle we play once and like okay that's pretty cool and we tried um Oh, the one with the Halifax hammer. Why can I not think of the game? The one covered the French. Oh, Indian yeah, war. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the one you mean. Yeah, and I don't know a why. I can't acres it either. Yes, yes. We played that. So we dabbled. And then coin came out, or coin had been out. And my brother was like, yeah, let's do this. And so we started buying up board games like crazy, not really knowing what we liked. And we sat down to play a few. And the, sh- the short story is we played those, but we didn't read the rules first. We like read the rules as we tried to play. And so the US Civil War is really the first time I had read the rules in advance is like, all right, I'm going to know how to play this way off still. But like, at least we're not just like sitting here, reading a rule book, trying to like, you know, doing nothing for an hour. Let's play. Um, And so it was the first one that I like made a real conscious effort to actually understand and try to grok the game. We had messed around with fast action battle and wilderness war. Um, And it just, it just blew my mind, everything that was going on and the story that it was telling on the table which is the big part of U.S. You know, civil war for me
1: and i was gonna say and if you don't mind me asking like was it the subject that made it be the one that you said you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna put the homework in beforehand i'm gonna get that done or yeah. was it just oh, no we're gonna do this game right because of experiences on coin it just happened to be the u.s civil war
0: no, it was yeah, I think it was The Former There. It was okay. uh, Subject Matter. I think I had just started the first book of Shelby Foots mm-hmm. and like I had been watching uh PBS's or um uh, what's his name? Civil War documentary series I'm Oh PBS. yeah, Ken Ken Burns. Ken Burns. So, yeah, it's Subject Matter, familiarity with the landscape, all those kind, kinds of things. Right. But so did you have a similar experience with, you know, once you either with engulfed or east front like did that did that turn on this interest you know playing through those
1: yeah because it made me realize that there were games better than axis and allies mm-hmm. out there in the world and um and it was going to yeah it sort of flipped that part of my brain that's like these are subjects i really find interesting and i didn't realize how much i loved Physical board games until, you know, I started to really get into it. And, and I didn't have to, you know, I feel badly saying it this way, but I didn't have to settle for like the Axis and Allies approach. You know, there were games that had way more fascinating takes on the exact same topic, you know, and it made it so much more interesting and so much more, um, so much more engaging, I guess. Cause, you know, I mean, everybody knows like Axis and Allies is a buckets of dice kind of. Whatever game, and uh, but you don't, and everybody, you know, because you play it 200 times growing up, or not you specifically, but we've just played it over and over and over. So we just do the same, you know, this is the thing I always do when I'm Japan, this is the thing I always right. do when I'm the United States. And so finding games like Eurofront, where suddenly it feels like even though it's the same subject that you've in theory seen a million times, it still fascinates you, and the whole thing is now wide open in a way that it never was before.
0: Nice. Well, I think this is a good good way to transition into your deserted island war game. War game.
1: Um, in that theme, you know, it's going to stick with the, you know, Grand World War II because that's the one that got its hooks in me to get me going down this, this road. It would be, you know, I thought about this one and I think the one I'm going to land on is World in Flames. Probably the most recent deluxe wow. uh, edition.
0: Yeah. Now, um, is this before you get too far into it is this an aspiration pick or is this like you've messed around with world in flames and you know you're gonna like it (laughs) it's it's more i will say i i have done
1: a chunk of the barbarossa scenario i I had an older version of the game before they i think i think the latest version has a lot more scenarios
0: Um, okay
1: i don't don't quote me on that uh delete that No, no 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 kidding um I don't know if that's actually true, but I want to say they added like, you know, like, you know, North Africa. I thought they made some more bite sized scenarios in the new one, but I tackled Barbarossa for a while and it.
0: Mm, you have you ever messed with whiff? No. And, and before I guess um, before you answer that first question, I guess tell our listeners that don't know what whiff or world in flames is or tries to accomplish. Cause it's okay. It's a, it's a biggie.
1: Yeah. So, and you're right. I should have uh, probably done that. World in Flames is probably the biggest grand, I don't know, strategic World War II board game out there that I can think of myself. Ones that are similar in scope, but definitely not maybe in depth or I don't know what would be, you know, Axis Empires from Decision Games, Um, you know, Unconditional Surrender, you know, for the European side of it um that you know the classic uh oh god what is it well right now it's a world at war from gmt covers the same general scope and then the old uh, uh you know i can't remember the, the games that came from there's a lineage there but
0: and i think there's like an ex one of the axis that axis and allies also tries <laughs> to do this like there i think there's a version of axis and x allies that is more ramped up anyways
1: Yeah. They, they definitely have like a 1940 version where you add some countries. There's a lot more spaces on the board. So it gets a little more, I don't know if the rules get necessarily more complicated, but there's more, there's more, you know? So there, there is sort of an Axis and allies. And and now I think like there's the war room uh, or something. Uh Uh, The guy who did Axis and allies came up with his own, it's on Kickstarter just, or maybe the Kickstarter shipping soon. I forget which way it is, but. Uh, but yeah world in flames is like a yeah, grand strategy um the interesting thing about world in flames is that its rule book allows for maybe another the system itself allows for multiple expansions so if you play the basic game it's not simple by any stretch of the imagination and this is what i did when i did uh some of barbarossa um There's a lot of meat to it, but I find, or I found it relatively manageable, all things considered. What the game allows you to do, then, is to just pile on the details. You know, you go from a game with, like, say, 1,500 counters, which seems like a lot, but maybe it's actually not crazy for the whole world, for the entirety of World War II. But you can get that up to four or 5,000 counters. You can track ships, pilots, planes... Uh, it can get very, very detailed and that's the aspirational part of being stuck on the desert Island is being able to actually have the time to, to absorb, to internalize every level of the system. Like, I think you've talked about before, like, you know, uh, what's the author's name? Um, Beaver, Anthony Mm -hmm. Beaver, you know, I know you've read some of his books, Um, did you ever read his book? I think it was called like literally like the second world war.
0: Absolutely. It's fantastic.
1: It's a great book and it's this great sort of 10,000 foot overview. And the thing I really found fascinating about that book is that even though he was giving you the whole scope of the war, he might spend a couple of pages on an island in the Eastern Mediterranean. Um, Mm -hmm. and then the thing about Anthony Beaver is then you can go read his book on, you know, Greece or D day or Stalingrad. And so he sort of telescopes in and out with his, with his writings. And I think whiff is sort of the, and again, I might be completely wrong, but it's one of the few games that I can think of that if you want sort of like a broader approach, you know, you play the basic game and it's still a lot to it. But if you really want to telescope in the way like those books do on a specific battle, you know, if you really want to get into the nitty gritty of, you know what, I'm going to track supply uh, transport boats or, you know, all these specific things you can. And one of the things I was considering for this category was Axis empires, you know, the decision games, uh, yeah, decision games, uh, set for the Pacific and European theaters, but (laughs) they're just a little too elegant to be the games I take with me when I'm stuck on a (laughs) desert Island, if that makes sense, you know, (laughs) um, they, I, I, that's, I've actually played more of that than I have of world in flames and I genuinely really, really like it. But in this particular scenario, I have the, the time and fingers crossed the table space, because I hopefully have most of the island to spread out, uh, to cover something like World in Flames and actually aspirationally have the, the lifetime it would take to probably understand everything and how it works together.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's an excellent pick. I didn't, I never went through the process of like determining myself what, what would be my picks would be. Um, okay you know gut reaction is, is u.s civil war but i think if i'm really going to be stuck on an island like this you need something that's going to fill that time yes. And i think either something like this or the entire asl collection like mm-hmm. i think those are the like the scopes you need to be thinking it right. lines up um, or you know you could finish panzer Grenadier school if you had chosen <laughs> panzer <Panzer-Grenadier.
1: laughs> if i had wi-fi yeah and and that's the hard thing because there's a part of it that's like, Oh God, yeah, no world. And then also there's a part of me that's like, Oh God, like that's what I need to be able to accomplish world in flames. I need to get stranded somewhere, never see another human being for 40 years. And then maybe, um, I might just be able to figure it out. So Um, I made the
0: mistake of telling my wife how expensive world in flames was and then pointed out to the, uh, pointed the phallic symbol on the front of the cover (laughs) to her. So it is forever a game that I'll never be able to sneak inside because, uh, she will, notice the giant wiener on it and then recall that it's an extremely expensive game
1: that's the thing that's the kind of cover that sort of imprints on your memory
0: Mm -hmm. like as soon as
1: somebody says did you realize that was (laughs) a phallic symbol they're like now i can't not see it then
0: yes folks if you look at world in flames there is a very penis shape on the front of the cover
1: do you think they knew what they were doing or do you think yeah
0: okay i don't know i think
1: so Yeah,
0: I mean, you hope so. Like, otherwise,
1: I don't know. Maybe it just says more about us as a people than if that was an accident.
0: So, our we've had we've had several interactions online playing RPGs. I've watched you play some more games and stuff, and I do. You have a great taste in games, but I do think you have an interesting taste in games. Like, you are playing games that. Let's just cut to it. Like you're playing Panzer Grenadier when no one else is really playing (laughs) Panzer Grenadier, uh, which is. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that's another World War II tactical game. It's published by Avalanche Press. And you've played some other Avalanche Press games, right?
1: Yeah, I soloed a little bit of their sort of intro to the Second World War War at Sea. Uh, I think the box is called Coral Sea. Uh I messed around with that a little bit. And Um, so
0: what's the, I guess, what's the allure? What's the interest in in Panzer Grenadier, as opposed to you know asl or or ats or even and i'm not saying that you're not interested in those but right right i can tell i
1: can tell you i you know a lot of people are going to just shut it off right now i don't know if i'm interested in asl i've given it a couple of tries um the last time that i was willing to give it a try it was because there was you know a friend here in town that he wanted to get into it and i'm like you know what I'm I'm happy to play it. Like I'll play anything. I'm not I'm not picky. Um and if and if he really had a passion to to play it, I'll happily, you know, be the guy that jumps in. Um but Panzer Grenadier So Panzer Grenadier, I think I don't know if it gets unfairly maligned. I don't exactly know what people have have to say about it, but it's it's not what I've heard it described as is sort of the sort of natural evolution of like Panzer Leader and Panzer Blitz from Avalon Hill back in the day. Okay. Uh, I don't have a ton of experience with those games. I know if people are being honest with them, they're old designs that you know have loopholes and have probably issues that you have to work around, or or quirks that maybe kind of break the game a little bit if you really think about it. Um, and Panzer Grenadier just was at the time this rulebook that was relatively straightforward in a classic war game sense relatively simple all things considered and let you play just about anywhere you wanted in world war ii which you know to some degree was the is what asl can do um i don't know for me the sweet spot was squad leader um i preferred squad leader to asl and squad leader never had that scope so for me, Panzer Grenadier sort of, you know, a lot of the things there might be a running theme here that sort of pique my imagination. They sort of spark, you know, my my imagination. And Panzer Grenadier's potential to be able to play basically any theater anywhere in the world with sort of a simple approach that was not too hard to to grasp was the, the, the appeal initially.
0: Yeah, by the so that's I think that is I don't, know, I don't know if respectable is the word by the time this goes live the Front Towards Enemy episode will be a couple months old Okay. one of the selling points of Front Towards Enemy for anyone who hasn't listened to that is the barrier of entry is so low compared to even something like Last 100 Yards but way lower than ATS or ASL yeah. and it's still like I think it does tactical Vietnam brilliantly oh, like nice. I'm a really big fan of it so I think and band of brothers is another l- l- mm. low barrier of entry. And I talked about that in the past before a little bit, but um, I think there's something to be said about that. Like keeping the rules, like you can go to ATS at any point you want. Cause I, I did forget, as soon as you said you, you don't like ASL, you do, you have dabbled in ATS a little bit before, right?
1: Yeah. I've dabbled in ASL and I have played multiple scenarios solo of ATS, um, yeah. ATS, the advanced brooks system I would say if I had to pick a tactical system for World War II, it'd be that. Um, I guess it could have been Panzer, but I liked ATS, I felt, you know, had enough meat on the bones with the vehicle combat
0: mm.
1: and still had sort of that classic squad leader adjacent approach to the uh, to the infantry. So, and, you know, like ASL, it sort of, you know, it has scenarios you can go anywhere sure. in the world. And I will say I, I felt like, ATS's rulebook, maybe I should reverse that. The ASL rulebook, I felt, you know, very. it was very daunting to me because I felt like I'm going to spend the rest of my life looking stuff up. Um, and I felt yeah. like that when I was when I was a little more, you know, true to playing ATS a little more regularly, and this is probably true of a- ASL as well, I felt like I knew just about everything I needed to know 99% of the time. Hmm. It wasn't really 99% of the time, but it felt that way when I played it. Sure um and i've always heard asl is like yeah you you know the stuff you need to know and then you then you go look up the specifics for the scenario you're about to play and you're fine and i i just i guess i never gave it that fair shot
0: sure well there's there's lots of things out there demanding our no time you got to play world and flames at some point so you can't master them all
1: <laughs> right right i can
0: only can't be
1: a spinal surgeon and a heart surgeon i have to pick <laughs> i have to pick one
0: that's right all right let's do another topic Right. Or another uh, Deserted Island category. Non-war game board game. Uh, let's see. Non-war
1: game board... Non-war game. I mean, it'd have to be Twilight Struggle. Boom. We just called it. It's categorized. It's not a war game. No, just kidding. Um, didn't think you were going to make news tonight, did you? let do it. Um... Yeah, so for the record, I don't represent the views of. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've only played Twilight Struggle once. I have no idea. Um, I think for my Desert Island non. So uh, may I ask for a
0: clarification? Yeah, Um, so anything that's not a war game and not explicitly a card game and not an RPG. So if I picked.
1: Uh, do you know the game Descent, like, first edition? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's great. If I picked the first edition of Descent, am I allowed to have all of the expansions? Totally, yeah. Assume best conditions. Got it, okay. Then I would pick the first edition Descent with all the expansions, but namely the two campaigns. The I think one was called Road to Legends, and I think the other one was Sea of Blood. Okay. So i don't know if you do you have any
0: familiarity with these games i do yeah okay uh did you ever mess with the first edition i did not and so descent is a dungeon crawl and i was like yeah. why why first edition over second edition
1: uh because the campaigns i think in the first edition are stupid deep um it's almost ridiculous and i actually kind of like them in a in a way um I've messed around with the second edition. I know the second edition tried to really, this might be not, not be true. I've only played second edition a couple of times, but I felt like there was some emphasis on trying to create like an overall arc to the little missions you were going on. But there was also an emphasis on playability, um, quality of life kind of things. The first edition does not always have that, but it does have like, it, it's, it's very time consuming in some ways, which is, I think is one of the things they're trying to address in the second edition. But with the road to legend, you know, you had sort of this overworld map and you could move from space to space. You hit a space, it would trigger something. You'd go into the book and all of a sudden it was like this massive floor plan you'd have to set up. That Mm -hmm. would take forever. Um, And then you would get back out and then, you know, you'd have to make camp, but something could happen at camp. And then you go into towns and there's rumors. There's just like, piles and piles and piles of for me is is flavor i mean it's the same mechanics over and over and over but i found and then the sea of blood was the campaign game with sort of a nautical theme so you could have like ship combat i think boarding actions and there's the same idea where you move across this overworld map um every space has the potential to be like this sort of massive endeavor going in and setting up a floor plan monsters treasure stuff like that um And so the whole thing, aside from the fact that, you know, it fits the bill of, I have a lot of time on my hands. It always really intrigued me. It was something I gave a shot. I can't say how far we got because it just was, we just realized this is going to be like the next five years of our life. Mm -hmm. Um, But on a desert island, that's not just a big deal. Uh, And so something I always was intrigued by, and I, I don't, like I said earlier, I'll play kind of anything. I mean, hell, I play Panzer Grenadier. Um, <laughs> so you know, I don't necessarily care. Like, is this game well designed? Is it like, you know, you know, is the is are the edges smoothed out? Like, I'm just happy, whatever. I'm not too too finicky. And so I don't mind the sort of cumbersome elements that the first edition had that they sort of tried to get away from because it gave you this sort of in a way, this sort of overwhelming. Dump of a campaign that would just you know bury you if you and there are people that have done it, and I think it has taken them literally years, sure, because it's such like an overwhelming amount of things that you can do with mechanics that were not meant to be moved through quickly
0: so you've brushed on it a few times in a in a and you've mentioned I think a few different answers to this, but one thing I've asked some of the guests on the show is why 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 do you play games and one episode after several drinks i have like a very philosophical um mm. answer to it all but y- you know you discover bgg and then you circle back and you discover this wonderful hobby and then now you're talking about being transported to different worlds and then this this oh you know the a potential year-long campaign and descent i guess why why all this stuff
1: yeah i mean i, I think you sort of nailed the commonality i i enjoy Like, I don't, I don't care if I play necessarily well, like I want to play it correctly, but I don't care necessarily if I'm good at it. And I think, you know, every game on 18xx I've played will point to that. Um, (laughs) I haven't played a single one well yet. Um, And and damn it, I never will uh, if I had my way. Um, But (laughs) much of the chagrin of the kind people that play with me, they're just like, God, what are you doing? (laughs) But um. But yeah, it, it it's it's that idea. Like I just I enjoy and and I feel I don't know if I feel badly about this, but it's one of the reasons why Vassal itself has never clicked hmm. for me entirely is because in some weird way, having the whole thing in front of me physically allows me to sort of dive into it. Sure. And having it partially in front of me on a screen, but with three other windows, and I've got to zoom in the the general interaction of it um really it it still triggers the itch it still triggers it still scratches the itch of getting gaming in which i always enjoy i enjoy you know chatting with somebody or you know just the exercise of you know enjoying you know how everything interacts but it doesn't grab me the same way and that was partly why when i you know started You know, I haven't done it very often, but when I was, you know, recording gameplay, one of the things I was trying to do was I was trying to, when you watch a lot of people, um, you know, one of their hands is tied up with the camera. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like how in the world can you just, you know, shoot the breeze, talk about the game and just play the game, even if it's to record and put out there if you're constantly having to interact through something else, which is, you know, making sure the camera is sort of pointed at the right thing, or in some people's cases, you know, just too low. So you can't actually see what, what they're trying to do. And I just wanted to be able to like, as if the camera wasn't there, just be able to play and talk to myself like a crazy person (laughs) so that somebody else might listen to it at some point. Um, and that's sort of what I like in any game is just if I can look at it and just, yeah, I uh, can, can transport somewhere else and really just sort of be in that space instead of, you know, thinking of it as a numbers game or, or anything like that. That's partly probably why I'm not good at 18XX at the moment is because I've never played it in person. I've only played it on the computer and it just doesn't click beyond the, nothing's grabbing me in my my imagination the way i thought it might because uh, it's not physically in front of me
0: you know i do well i do like what you said about it um how you don't always see it as a numbers game i i'm I, you i don't mind playing on the computer and stuff obviously i prefer faith in you know in-person interaction all right that stuff right but I, it does remind like i love you a civil war but i'm not necessarily good at it i think i've gotten better But I will still do things just for the sake of doing things like send a Union General through the Cumberland Gap just to do it. And that's what I like uh, about, like, again, you know, it's not a sound strategy. Numbers wise, it's probably not the right thing to do to stay on track for the victory. Right. But I still just like to do it because I want to experience and, and see how that would play out if I were to do that.
1: So let me ask you a question. I mean, I've heard you, you know, I, I you know, I listened to history on the table and I've, you know, but let me ask you, I don't know if this has come up in your discussions of the U S civil war, is that what separates like games you really like from your favorite game of all time? Like the idea, like there's something about it where when you're playing the U S Civil war, or I'm playing, you know, something in particular that I really love. It's, it's really not to play it to to win to play it's is there does like is that what separates like the favorite games is they really take you somewhere they put you in a headspace that's beyond just playing a game um i don't know
0: probably i mean if if i really thought about it maybe um but also some of my favorite games are you know, if you go look at my top ten list, some of them are there just be just to see the finished product. And, and generally I'm talking more of the Euro games there.
1: That's true, right. Then and, and that's exactly what those are designed for in
0: some ways. And um, I love that. There's several of those, you know, favorite games of all time. But in a war game space, yeah, I think it is this other more like exploring what if, and not necessarily like a military what if, like a mat what if. Right. And exactly. Yeah, I don't if I was playing the US Civil War to win then you have this such a tight victory schedule that yeah, I probably should be doing these like amphibious landings to like pick up easy victory points along the way, but I never really get bogged down in that stuff. I just do like oh, this is going to be cool if I or if I'm, you know, playing as a south or something like that. Yeah, you really just need to kind of throw up roadblocks, but no, I don't want to do that. I want to invade, you know. <laughs> right. Um and so yeah, I'm not as worried about or, you know, we've talked about Axis Empires. Uh, you mentioned it, these grand strategic World War II games. Let's pivot to that. Like, I will, the few times I've played that game, I want to shift and influence countries that I want to join my side because it's, that's what interests me. <laughs> Not so right, much right. as like, I don't really need Finland on my side, but that's who I want on my side. So, so I'm going to go after. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and that's
1: the interesting thing. Like, um, God, what was I going to say? i apologize i might have forgotten what i was going to say it was about the u.s civil war um what was did you know right away with the u.s civil war like the first time you played it yeah because i know like as you described you put the put the time and leading into it but the first time you really dove into it was it just like this oh my god all right and things were taking you to other places right away or was it just
0: okay yeah, you start moving around like you form up these armies and it's even it's just like a organization thing i I think there are some rules like technically how you can create an army in that game but really it's just a, an organization box but anyways like oh i'm forming this army in the east and you know our game and again we played so wrong but it came down to like second bull run and we nice. forced it and it's like all right if i don't make this roll and take this hex it's game over and we had already been playing for like four and a half hours and basically right. i shortchanged all of our turns and without getting into the rules and it's it, <laughs> like that combination of it was right away to answer your question but then also it had like this climax of it in the game and i didn't win and i was like let's do it again and we didn't but uh, i wanted to so was it
1: mutual uh you, you mentioned you were playing against yeah. your brother or was it mostly this instant one-sided love affair that you were like oh my god my life just changed and he was like yeah it was fine
0: no, immediately it felt like it was. Because I think we were both like, should we? Like, we just played right. for five hours. Should we, you know, re-rack it and go again? Like, <laughs> And we dabbled yeah. with it and thought about it. And that was like pre-kids and everything, so we could have. Um, he has not stuck with... Like, we kind of got into the war game side of things at the same time. He just hasn't stuck with it the way I have. Right. Um, so I think his immediate reaction was similar. But to me... I don't know if this is happening without the U.S. Civil War. Okay. Interesting. Or, or some other, I guess, another war game could have done it. I just don't know how long I would have stuck with everything without really Mark's... And then it was Normandy 44 after that, so Mark Semenich is responsible for me tying up your Monday night.
1: Well, you know, and that actually is is one question. Um, w- Would you say, like, if you had to say, like, yeah, in the sort of strata that is the u.s civil war is is asl on that level is it the game that sort of yeah i don't
0: i don't think so i like tactical games but they're not my favorite um there's i just like other scales more and so yeah Yeah, yeah. in, in terms of tactical is it the best yeah i think so um but I think there's quite a few games that I would always pick to play, just because that's I want to experience like the bigger picture stuff, even if it's just Normandy or or something like that. I I like that type of maneuvering more. And I, right. although you can get some amazing stories in tactical games, you can also it's... get the same stories in a zoomed out scale.
1: Yeah, you know, and that was something I once and and this is not unique to me. A lot of people have said this, but. Just the idea, I remember I was playing, I don't know if it was Squad Leader or the Starter Kiss for ASL. And I remember saying, like, you know, there's only so many ways to cross a street. You know, there's only so many ways and it's it's a reductive nonsense thing that I said, but in my mind, I think what I was trying to say was that the the challenges at that scale didn't capture my imagination the way mm. it might in OCS, where I've gotta get from here to there in Tunisia, um you know, let somebody else worry about how you cross the street and take that house and uh because there's this big puzzle here involved that making everything come together uh strikes me as a lot more interesting,
0: yeah, I don't think that's I mean I would probably agree with you um I do think the story is different um yeah, but and and I guess what I'm saying is I like both stories, but I do think maybe you're right or some of it's also like i don't know if i want to learn the strategy at or the hassle of like i know i should probably put smoke down and i think right. a lot of asl players and probably ats players have the same idea like yeah smokes the thing but do i really like want to waste time putting smoke down like let's just run out there and you know see what happens hopefully i make it across the street yeah there's
1: one game and i wish i could remember which one i was I remember reading the rule book and i thought for some reason like it didn't really deal with smoke at all because if you actually looked at the numbers historically,
0: smoke grenades were not a big part oh, yeah. of. Uh, and I can't remember. It could have been the starter set of ASL. I mean, the numbers are hard. It's not automatic in ASL. You got to make the check.
1: Oh, maybe that's what it was. Yes, yes, yes. And and it sort of sort of threw in my face something as like all oh, these other games use smoke, uh, and it may. And I I did appreciate that sort of take where like, hey, yeah, you know, this image you might have in your head is not. Not actual. Um, right, right. You are wrong, sir. <laughs> uh, so. And so. Well, then, you know, so you're mentioning. OK, so you you take off with the U.S. Civil War. Um, but, you know, the person across the table is maybe not quite as enamored with it. So how did you. Keep falling down this depraved hole of, you know. uh Nerdery and um, and war gaming. How did you, how did you sort of keep that path going? If if uh for me, I you know I had some friends that you know we went through it, and then a lot of it was BGG, you know, sort right. of paving it.
0: Yeah, so that would be similar. So okay. um like after Civil War, my brother still had an interest for war games for a little while longer. We played Sekigahara. I bounced off Sekigahara the first few plays. Um, and then we also played Cuba Libre, which I, I did not and do not like at all. Um,
1: and was that immediate? That's just like, no. Nope.
0: Yeah. Okay. And it turned me like I still, I powered through some coins still, um, just to see what all the hype was. And finally I found some that I did enjoy. Uh, and then eventually, I mean, it's the, it's the common link between both of us. I found advanced after combat and I played with, um, Leroy, Mark, we play oh, nice. Normandy 44 and so i and i had messed around with normandy 44 in person but then it was kind of that extended game that's like all right i played war games i dabbled in them and then i took a little bit of a break and then i kind of like oh man i gotta reach out to that guy and like pick up our normandy 44 game yeah and all during the time of that i had been eyeing the line of battle and then eventually <laughs> you get you get the podcast through that but it was kind of this like once you find a uh you know, once you find your tribe and once you find people with a shared interest, then that's all it takes. And I apologize if you covered this
1: before or if it's not something you want to deal with at the moment. What um I was curious, you know, what inspired starting history on the table?
0: Oh, that's all right. And who's interviewing he, who here? I'm asking the question, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, what? It, it was uh it was none but heroes. It was line of battle. Oh, interesting. Cool. Yeah. Right. So. Um I think I probably around that time I hit um Antietam and Shelby Foots book, and then I read Stephen Sears book um and then I like you know did the bGG search what's the best Antietam game, and everyone points you to line of battle and there's some older stuff um and the older d stuff as well and I tracked down a copy and then I like looked at it and I was like, well, there's no way I can grok this, but then I started thinking about like, oh, what if I did this whole thing where it's like Ooh, I read all these books on Antietam and I talk about Antietam games and it can be a whole you know process and then I realized pretty quickly that was unattainable like I'm not going to read eight (laughs) books and become an Antietam (laughs) expert and then talk about all these games that's just not me um but yeah it it really was none but heroes which kind of was the driving factor of like I want to do this um it just took me a long time to actually get that played so very cool that's
1: um that's very cool. Yeah, it's like I'm Dr. Antietam, thank you. Um it's probably a tall order to <laughs> Yeah. And and part of this is how I compensate for the fact that your your guest is the equivalent of like, you know, chicken broth or like turkey sandwich hold the mayo, kind of interesting. So uh I guess that's why it just I, I'm actually more interested in
0: No, in, uh... <laughs> no, I that's I one, I don't I don't buy that at all. After playing uh we haven't even touched on the RPG stuff yet. Um and I, we just we all have different paths, you know, true. I don't know if that's even that interesting. Like, I'm just a dude that um, got enamored with the Civil War and then started thinking about like, well, I don't grill and I'm not in a band and <laughs> right, I don't right. go to therapy, so I better start a podcast.
1: Right. I mean, that's the joke, right? Like right. podcasts or therapy for white males. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I'm just a guy who the law hasn't caught up to yet and uh, <laughs> still on the run. And uh, someday they're going to dig up that patio and God help all of us.
0: God help us all. So actually, and I won't, um, we will get back to you, but you've opened this can of worms. This is actually my third podcasting project. So oh. I had two uh, retro video game podcasts in the past, one with my brother. Oh, nice. Um, Are these around? Uh, Yeah, if you know where to look. I know one of them is for sure, because sometimes we got this permission from this guy that did chiptunes. Uh, for intro for that one and like i still go back and listen to our intro because it was really cool and the other one was when i was still into retro games there was an amazing retro video game store in topeka it's still there it's called gamers hq i'll give them a free plug it is honestly one of the best video game stores around i've ever been to and we did one unfortunately we started it as i was wrapping up law school so after i graduated like i was like i'm going back home um this has been a blast but that was that was my second project. So then like I'd always kind of wanted to do it. It just, none of them ever took off or, were long-term projects.
1: Well, I mean, I, I gotta say like, I mean, what are you up to in history on the table? 30 something 38, yeah. 38 episodes. Um, I mean, it's, I have always thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, and that's the thing. Like, I don't think, I mean, maybe that's I, I, you know, not being able to talk about this kind of stuff. Like, well, you know, again, ther- therapy for white males, but it's you know, it's sort of like the idea of like, you know, you put on a podcast, and a lot of the times we do other stuff, but you feel like, at least with the good podcasts like yours, and one of the reasons why I like it, After Combat, and some of the other ones, is you feel like you're sitting at the table with a bunch of guys, and you're just not saying anything, right? Uh, and so, yeah, and so that's it sort of fills like a, a a space so that you felt like you got to talk about the topic, um, even though you didn't really actually get to say anything at all. Um, I mean, that doesn't stop me from like carpool, karaoke, you know, (laughs) Katy Perry tunes to podcasts, you know, while I'm driving on New Jersey turnpike, but, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I also, um, I had a conversation with and, and I, I mentioned this Marty in his episode have already been up, but we we actually spent a lot of time, not a lot, but at the end of the episode, just talking about like sponsors and like why we do this. And I know you, you've talked about like your your aspect with Train Run Games is like you want to you have this passion for, for film and video, obviously, and that's a way for you to explore that. But I'm sure it's the same for you, it's the same for Marty. Like this only goes on while it's fun right and whereas rolling dice and taking names is a great success and you know they they do preview games and all this stuff like marty's still i think his big thing is for him and tony that it's still fun and he's glad he's not beholden to anyone for reviews or anything like that and that's the approach i've always taken i'm you know i'm never going to take review copies that has one i just don't think it works with war games like you know the schedule for it but um this is fun And as long as it's fun, I'll keep doing it. But if it's ever not fun, I don't have any problem saying like, well, it was a good run.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, for all the sponsors out there, he doesn't speak for me. I'll take your stuff. (laughs) I'm shameless. I'll roll around covered in oil, whatever you need me to do.
0: Oh, no, hold on. So I I will take (laughs) sponsors as long as I don't have to like do anything. Like I'm not going to review a a Kickstarter or anything like that. Right, right, right. Or or, or be a play tester. I almost signed up to play test something in a game that's actually done pretty well. And oh, i was nice. like yeah i'll play test it and then like i started thinking about it i was like i don't know this isn't <laughs> like this is just getting in the way of things you know like how am i going to play bloodborne and play test this game
1: right right and obviously i i hope bloodborne won yeah
0: obviously it did okay
1: uh yeah at some point I, I would love to get an update on how that's going and where you are and what you're looking at um
0: <laughs> yeah so uh you know we sh- we share a lot of uh well, let's get a topic out of the way, and then let's yeah, yeah, let's yeah. circle back to this. Uh, so let's do uh, des- deserted island miniature games. I'll save RPGs for last. Okay,
1: miniature games is sort of an easiest one because I I confess I'm not a big miniatures player, and so the two that jumped out at me. Uh, did you ever mess with the the game Infinity?
0: Uh, I'm familiar with what it is. I've never played it.
1: Okay, there was something about that game that. Um, I, you know, I've played Flames of War. I've played, I think, um, 40k. Wait, which is the one in the future?
0: Warhammer 40k.
1: Okay, that's not the one. I think I played the one, the fantasy.
0: Okay, um, Age of Sigmar.
1: Yeah, yeah, I played that one. I and I've played, I guess, Flames of War and that, you know, have a lot of overlap. Um, Infinity. Um, I don't think I've played, is that like Malifaux? Is that like a, yeah, yeah. I haven't played ones like that. But Infinity and Battleground World War II are the two minis games I've played that I genuinely really, really enjoyed. And my understanding is that they both fall a little bit on the heavier side in oh, terms okay. of rules. Um, I don't know. if Have you ever messed with Battleground World War II? Nope. I think if I'm thinking of the right one, because it's been a little while since I played, um, some people describe it as sort of like the squad leader of skirmish tactical World War II. And, you know, the rules are a little more complicated, um, but I feel like in that, uh, so Flames of War, this might be sacrilegious to say, something I always felt off about, is that the one where, like, you have, like, you roll, like, a saving throw or something?
0: Well, you well you certainly do that in, uh, in Warhammer. Warhammer. Yeah, I, I think know. Flames of War, it's sort of,
1: I don't know if they, you know, renamed it somehow, but somehow I feel like. And I apologize if I'm getting all this wrong. Like I said, it's been a while, but I feel like there's some kind of like defensive die roll you make, huh? And I was like, that feels completely wrong. Um, And then, battleground World War II. Well, first of all, like you know, you're on a desert island, so you sort of have some kinds of terrain already there. (laughs) Um, Just have them storm off the beach or something. Um, Not to trivialize anything, but you know, like, uh, but yeah, the rules were you know a little more involved. They felt more actually tactical in ways that flames of war never did to me. And, um, huh. and that might just be my fault for not really understanding the game or not appreciating sort of the, the, the faster approach that flames of war takes. But yeah, I probably would choose battleground world war II, um, you know, to stick with theme of world war II across the board for everything. Nice. And yeah, so probably that. And if you, if people are out there and they're looking for something that's, you know, a bit of an involved tactical skirmish game, I think it might easy eight might be the people that put the rule book. I'm not sure exactly, but, uh, I really enjoyed, uh, the times I got to play it.
0: Nice. There you go. Yeah. It looks like publishers easy eight,
1: easy eight. Yeah. So I'm not crazy. Okay. Um, it's, it was definitely, you know, again, it's a little more involved, but, um, I just yeah, something about it again, like a lot of these other things that sort of that depth you know sort of again caught my imagination in the way that the more streamlined, simplified things of flames of war that felt off didn't
0: wow, yeah, I've never heard of this one
1: huh. it's uh yeah, it's worth checking out um i like yeah, I genuinely enjoyed it, and if <laughs> if you need a reason to spend a thousand dollars on a new army, um there you go. <laughs>
0: Okay, so I had started to allude to, like, we, um, you know, we, we played RPGs and all this stuff, and we get to, you know, you just start talking, then like, I, well, I found, like, we, we share a lot of common interests. One of the things that I am sometimes most jazzed about is our love of uh, Souls games, including Bloodborne and Sekiro, but everything from, um, for those who, who didn't catch it earlier, uh, Miyazaki is the head right. of from Software. Uh, so I sure let's go down that rabbit hole. Why what's the uh allure? So Dark Souls Elden Ring, Bloodborne, Skiro, um Demon Souls. Demon Souls, that would be the other one. Uh, and then Dark Souls 2 and 3 if we're just gonna touch on them all. What's the uh what's the allure there? Why why play those games? Um
1: superiority complex. I yeah. can look at people who yeah. bounce off them and mm-hmm. be like, you're trash. You uh, no, the real the real thing, so my, So I guess I'll say this and then maybe I'll ask. My first was Demon's Souls. Was yours first Bloodborne or was it a different one?
0: No, it would have been Dark Souls. I don't know if I had played a little bit of Demon Souls and had forgotten about it before Dark Souls, but definitely Dark Souls because my brother got way into Dark Souls. Okay. And then I dabbled and was awful at it. And then the one that I like finally, the one that, Sung its teeth into me was bloodborne
1: okay so bloodborne is the one that clicked and yeah. really okay um i can say for me demon souls the the interesting thing about demon souls was when i picked it up it was not a game you could just go buy uh i i think i got a bonus at work and i i remember at the time i might be misremembering this and maybe you know, my wife is gonna say no that's not how it happened at all you just you know did it but I thought I mentioned I was getting a bonus and I wanted to get a PlayStation three. Uh, and part of it was because it was a, a Blu-ray player. And part of it was because I knew um, there's this game that existed out there called demon souls. And so I imported it from Japan um, or maybe not Japan. Maybe I had to, imp- I had to import it from somewhere and one of them had like English translation and maybe it was the the native Japanese version. And so I, I got my copy and I it's one of those things where I saw a review of it, and the reviewer was like, There's nothing else like this. You you can't you can't imagine how unique this is until you see it in action. You know, does it have multiplayer? Kind of. But it has like all these intricate messaging systems, so or bloodstains, so even if you're not playing with other players, other players are helping you and you can help other players. You can take hints from you click on a bloodstain. You see the last 10 seconds of another player's run and you can see, Oh, they ran around that corner and got wrecked. Okay. Uh, messages can say like, you know, beware of ambush. They can also, you know, say fourth grade boob jokes, but, um, some of them are actually helpful. And so, um, or butt jokes or, you know, like just classic, just classic material. Um, You, and, and then I was sort of the idea behind all of these games, I believe is that on some level, and maybe it's not this expressly, you know, laid out in all of them, but on some level, like some end of the world kind of thing is happening. Like in Demon Souls, there's this sort of fog that's taking over the kingdom. And, you know, it's it's not like you're trying to stop the fog. The fog's there. And a lot of the damage has already been done. And in Dark Souls, you know, you're sort of stuck in this cycle of like, it's, you know, you're sort of treading water in hell, essentially. You know, it's it's not good, but, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's sort of already done. Um, would you say that's true of Bloodborne setting? Like it's sort of,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah, hundred percent.
1: Yeah. So the the damage is sort of already done, and now it's sort of, you oh, you know, yeah. work, 110% working ten
0: percent Bloodborne.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so there was something about that idea that um, really, again, you know, captured my imagination. And so you get to you know the opening level of Demon Souls, and you're just dropped in front of this massive castle wall and maybe it's just my you know lack of you know experience playing a lot of video games but the scope of it um the the mechanics you know i i i'm not a good video game player and usually i don't often have the time to to get good at a video game um so like a lot of flight sims space flight sims they all bounce off me because i just don't have the time and um but this one I was like, you know what? No, like I this one I'm going to actually spend the time to do because I I want to see what's out there. Like they've created this art style and this setting and this situation that has for some reason really captured my interest and it's morose in a way um that I found fascinating. Uh you go into have you played much Demon Souls by any chance? Yes. Okay. So one of the worlds is like a mine.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and you dive into this mine and you know, the story is kind of classic, like, you know, oh, they dug too deep and then they uncovered this thing and then they, you know, whatever, but you know, you get into some of these tunnels and it was the first time where I was just like, Oh God, like this monster's existence is to chip away at this wall. Um, <laughs> like this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, and like, I, I liberated the crap out of him by stabbing him in the skull. But, um, but it was the first time where I was grabbed like that, you know, in in a similar way I've described with a lot of the board games and it made me want to see. And then, you know, like most people, like I don't get the stories when I play through it. I'm not clever enough to piece together, but I instantly go when I'm done and watch everything. And you realize that the stories that are there are both in some ways really well told and deeply moving. um, And for me, really engaging. And that's what makes me want to go back and play it because now I know what's going on behind that hidden wall or something and what that thing means and blah, blah, blah. And so now I can sort of, you know, actually experience the story firsthand.
0: Yeah. I, first off, I agree a hundred percent. I think there's also like, these elements of just level design, like just from a mechanical standpoint, like how they design levels and come up with shortcuts between those games are amazing. The atmosphere, like you hit on it, like you just start to notice little things. And maybe you don't notice when you first start to play because, like, my video gaming is like, hey, here's a cutscene and here's what just happened to Laura Croft, which, like, the Quick aside: the most recent Tomb Raiders are some of my favorite video games. They're fantastic. The story is right there for you. Like, hey, here's what's happening in Bloodborne, or Demon Souls, or what I've seen from Dark Souls in Sekiro. Yeah, sure, you have cutscenes, but unless you take the time to like read the description about items, or like, why is there an empty baby stroller in the middle of the street, and then there's another Mm -hmm. empty baby stroller over here? or why is this lady really asking me to like send people to her clinic and like you can do little things like look through windows and just glimpse little details. And that's not how we're programmed to like, think about games for 95% of the games that are released to the public. And so, and then the other, like the mechanical side of thing as well, like the sense of accomplishment, these games will throw tests at you to make sure like you're ready to move on or whatever, or like, it's just a hard boss. And, you know what you'll bash your head against something for like 50 times in a row and then you get it and you beat it and it's awesome and it's just a great feeling i i love the atmosphere in these games they're they're some of the best escape entertainment out there i think and they're super stressful but i still love it
1: yeah and it's it's weird because no other game series have i been willing to get good for like i said i'm not a great video game player um but in order to experience the things that those games offer so well, uh, the only way to do it is to get through it. And then when you do, you realize, oh, that that sort of overwhelming, almost Pavlovian sort of sense of joy that I can't believe I just did that. There's no way I should have been able to do that. And yesterday, if you asked me if I could do it, I would have told you no. And then threw my controller at my plasma TV or whatever. and. Did, you know $2,700 worth of damage so it's it's really and, and like you know going back to like you know you're describing Bloodborne so like you know the first boss in that game I don't know if this is a spoiler it's like the, literally the first boss that is uh Father Gascoigne yeah yeah and so Father Gascoigne has this thing where if you poke around the opening areas a little bit this is definitely a spoiler um you can find a music box And the music box, if you bring it to the boss fight and play it, it reminds him of his daughter, right? Is that whose box it was? uh, uh And it emotionally stuns him. And then that's how you beat the crap out of him. But like, it's that kind of storytelling where, you know, it's not like, you know, six waypoints on a map and then, you know, 15 journal entries or a codex in Mass Effect, or it's just, if you knocked on the right door, You've had a woman, like I think a voice behind the door. Is it his wife?
0: No, it's the girl. She's trying it's, to oh, find she's trying to find her parents.
1: That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she says, take my Right. She and she offers you her music box, to take mm-hmm. to her father. It's just like and and those kinds of details are literally almost everything in every soul's game. And I don't know how they do it. And in the most recent one, Elden Ring, I don't feel like they lose sight of that despite introducing it into this massive open world um it's it's just it's stunning and i don't know if there's any other games out there that do it i i haven't encountered any myself i gotta say
0: yeah it just feels so intentional like everything is intentional and you see it in the level design and the little clues or cracks in the details of the doll and the the hunter's dream in bloodborne and I didn't mean I, I wanted to talk about these games because they are absolutely some of my favorite games, uh, hands down. Yeah. But it is once you get into them and the the barrier of entry, just like, you know, complex war games or, or complex anything, uh, it's high. But if you put the money in and you and you want to invest in a game that way, it's not going to be laid out for you. Right. I mean, gosh, in Bloodborne, you start and you don't even get a weapon. right you know yeah and just a creepy guy in a wheelchair pulls up to you (laughs) well no you walk you wake up and then you walk down the stairs and there's a beast and like you don't like you're he's big and bloody and you have no weapons and like you can get by him you can even kill him if you're good enough um but then like you still don't get a weapon until you either intentionally go back or get a um or get to a, a torch to go back. Anyways, yeah, big fan. So, Love them. Do
1: you know what happens in Bloodborne if you do get past the beast? Like, all the other Souls games, they kill you one way or another because that's Yeah, what you happens. can
0: get to it. You get to it. You either die or you get to the, uh, the first torch thing. Oh, you, you can? Oh, okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I, I obviously died. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty limited in the path you can go. Um, okay. You go up the ladder and then, like, the very first thing you get up from the ladder is, is the... torch but even then like the weapons are white blotches on the ground and there's nothing that's saying like pick up your weapon here now i will say with bloodborne in
1: particular i i won't spoil it i'll try and talk around it like where it starts and where it goes is unique from any of the other soul games a lot of the other soul games like where it starts and where it goes feels like yeah okay that's you know i put one foot in front of another and i started at a and i got to b um and i d- do you think without that in the other souls games do they interest you as much or is that something special about bloodborne that's will always make it stand apart and the other ones might be tough to go back to
0: no um like so you know we were talking recently about dark souls and i think i got through is there like a butterfly in dark souls or something like that or a moth yeah yeah like i think that's around where i've got through and like i'm having a great time going back through it the thing about bloodborne is it's so trippy and mind-bending the first time you play through it that like you expect something like dark souls or demon souls and then um and then it just turns into so much more and goes in a direction that's like hinted at and again if you're paying attention to details maybe you start to see it but then like it just opens up in ways that you would never expect um right and yeah that's really special and that's why it's it's easy. bloodborne's like top 3 game for sure it's really yeah when
1: during your runs how how do you jack up your insight how how do you let that go
0: oh yeah the so like once i once I played through it, and then I did the I did a playthrough with Epic Name Bros. videos, which is an amazing experience to do. Like I played along with him. I like cranked it up to twenty. Nice. Um, right away. Very nice. I
1: mean, yeah, it makes the game a little tougher, but
0: yeah, it no other unlocks some things. Yeah,
1: it's and it's it's amazing. Again, something I've never seen in any other game. It's, <sighs> it's God, we could do this. Well, anyway,
0: yeah, right. Okay, let's get back to. <laughs> I'm going to throw back a cop- the topic. I would there. It's just it's really unique there's there's nothing nothing like it i wanted to i'm okay that we spent time talking about one of the best things I ever made i was gonna like oh yeah let's talk about rpgs and stuff but uh let's get deserted island rpg out of the way all right it's dark Souls. no i'm kidding um oh. <laughs> the uh
1: deserted island rpg this one was tough um this one was really tough i think there's certain types of stories I would like to experience or I'd like to run. Um, and that's partly why, like I run one of the games I ran in the past was a game called Deus Volt and Deus Volt is sort of like medieval fantasy Europe mixed with a heavy dose of conspiracy and, and, uh, sort of, you know, kind of Cthulhu adjacent kind of monsters, you know, the idea is that you're part of this order that has to sort of protect the population from knowing just how evil the world is. And so you become like this kind of mission impossible team to fight against the conspiracy and those that are trying to sort of out it or further it or, and those are the types of stories. So call of Cthulhu is one that's always intrigued me, but when it came time to pick one that I would want on the desert Island, I think I would go with, if I'm allowed to do this, I would go with, 2300 AD which needs some traveler material to supplement it if I'm allowed oh, to sort of sure yeah merge those together and I think the reason why is again the types of things I'm sort of I should go back like I I want to be a really big fan of science fiction and when I try I bounce off of almost everything and I it's like, it's, it's a me problem. And every once in a while I find something that sort of threads the needle in exactly the stupid way that I need it to. And I fall so hard in love with it that it's crazy. Firefly was one of the first things. um, The, uh, the expanse sort of came close, you know, a lot of alien, uh, a lot of blade runner, um there's another there's a book uh called Gateway by frederick Pohl a Pohl, I think is that's how he pronounced his last name. Half of it is sort of this weird sort of therapy session that I think is a little dated um you know it's like wait, that's the mental problem that that would not be a mental problem today, and you would be cancelled so fast um but the other half is sort of this really interesting story about exploration and you know poor people needing health insurance and the extremes that people can be driven to and the extremes that space exploration can involve and like i said so when that needle gets threaded um i am hooked and so i think traveler 2300 I, i wouldn't use all of it i would sort of shape it the way that threads the needle the way i like it to be threaded and i think it just has the potential to unlock just not just role-playing stories like i'd write a book on rocks i'd you know scratch it into you know driftwood like it would just it would trigger a lot of different pathways of my imagination so i think i i want to go with 2300 because of that potential wow Um, And that's sort of why, you know, like one of the games, you know, that you and I are currently in is M space. Uh Um, M space is a D 100 science fiction setting based on the Mithras by design mechanism. It's their uh, sort of space take on a D 100 system. And but a lot of the universe is sort of 2300 AD adjacent. um, Because honestly obviously i think that system doesn't matter that much cuz i play a lot of d100 <laughs> um but it's uh there's something about that kind of setting and that i'm trying to chase after in that game in particular that just really you know it's something i could think about or enjoy for decades
0: and so it to me correct me if i'm wrong that sounds more setting as a whole like setting seems to be driving your your interest here. Yeah. And that's kind of true for almost everything.
1: Um, yeah, I setting setting for me is above just about anything else It's the thing that's going to really grab my attention. Um, it's what will pull me in because, you know, say like you're watching a movie and it's like, you know, a character study or something like that's, that's fine. And they can be really fascinating, but the setting, if it's a setting that pulls me in like alien. Um, like I don't always love the parts involving the Xenomorph, but that first half of the first movie where you got guys talking about, you know, I'm not getting paid for this part, that kind of the corporate, whatever that exists, it's just, you know, the guys on the space trucker, the space truck, you know, just hauling through space and the conversations. And like, I can put myself in that setting, you know, Within my imagination in a heartbeat. And huh. whether it has xenomorphs or doesn't have xenomorphs, it doesn't matter. The setting, you know, if it has xenomorphs, I'm going to, you know, die by the end of the movie. I'm not the one that's going to, you know, get into my <laughs> right. spacesuit and my underwear. So um, I'm the one that's going to like walk backwards down a, a hallway until I get ripped in half. <laughs> right. Right. So um, yeah, but the settings, yeah, they can really get their hooks in me. And then I, I just start. Thinking of all these different things, like, you know, all these, I don't know what, um, but it starts spinning off in ways. And that's what keeps me completely hooked.
0: Nice. Anything else that you want to mention about RPGs? I was trying to think like, we've had some great, um, gaming sessions in the past in RPGs. And we also have some great stuff on the horizon, wherever M space is going, We've also talking about settings. Um, you know, the granddaddy of settings, at least for me right now, is is re- Genesis Rebirth, um, yes, which which we have kicked off, but it's on hiatus for the baby, of course. Right. right. Um. I don't know. Is there anything that you the the Dark Souls, uh, the From Software has <laughs> has thrown me for a loop? And but that's not a bad thing at all. Um. Gosh, I could start a side podcast about From Software stuff. Um. Yeah. Yeah anything else about rpgs that we haven't touched on? Yeah, so rpgs I don't know if this is true for you.
1: RPGs are kind of the reason why I don't get more wargaming in. Yeah. By you know, 200 to 1. Like it's and and I don't know what to think about it. It's you know, wargames this isn't a, like a bad problem to have. I you know, wargames were something I started to gravitate towards when I realized I didn't have a role-playing game group anymore. (laughs) And so it was something that was triggering, you know, the same parts of my imagination, but in a more contained way. Um, but the idea of role-playing games was always the thing that, you know, hooked me, you know, when I I didn't understand what a role-playing game could be until, you know, you know because I don't know if this is true for you, but you know when I was a kid the you know the kid down the street, my best friend, his older brother had got a box set of something it was d and d, but I don't know which one and the first thing we ended up doing was just drawing you know maps on graph paper that we would get three rooms in and die uh but then, when I moved and I mentioned you know there was my brother and this third friend, and we were all very close, you know playing role playing games with him started to make me understand that. The advantage of a role playing is you can kind of do anything and it's kind of tough to compete with that um you know it's like you know playing like say like ocs and you want to take tunisia you know there's a lot of things you can maybe not because i'm a bad ocs player but <laughs> like there's a lot of like ways you could, oh you could try this you could try that you could or whiff you know like world in flames you know like you know, stuck on a desert Island. Like I want to see what happens if I like push this production of airplane later. or I don't know what, Um, but a role playing game. It's not, I I understand. It's not literally this, but on some level, like, you know, the GM says you walk into a room and uh, there's two guys on the other side. Like literally anything can happen and nobody knows what it is. And I don't know of any other game besides a key party that lets you <laughs> <laughs> that lets you experience that key parties anything goes baby. Um, but like, I, I don't, I, and I don't know how you compete with that. Um, at least for my particular oddities and preferences. So, and that's, and, and so, like I said, like part of the reason why I haven't done any more train wreck game stuff is because we haven't quite worked out, uh, how to how to have like a dedicated gaming space since we we got flooded. Um, but the other part of it, part of it is is that like you know I have the rulebook for Solano Forty Three up on my nightstand, mm. but I also have a couple of rule books because I was trying to think of how to do like a an espionage Le Carre spy game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And next thing I found myself doing is the spy game. You know, right? As much as I wanted, like I'm dying to play Solano Forty Three, but when you know, it's just late at night and I'm ready to pick something up to read before I you know, conk out. The thing I want to think about is that sort of wide open, you know, cause how are you going to do like, there's never going to be a board game that says you were going to play. The one I was trying to do was John Le Carré's book, uh, the looking glass war. Okay. You're never going to find that in a board game, but I can make that up in a role playing game. If I can just figure out how to do it. And it's a puzzle that I don't mind trying to solve i mean badly maybe i don't know it could be a train wreck or it may never happen but at least at the moment you know when i'm trying to give my brain something to turn over that's what it is and and you said like you do you find like i know there are certain people that are like i need to back off role-playing games because it's actually taking away from the the thing i want which is war do you ever feel that way or
0: uh no because i'm very like i i so I give my brother a hard time about like his very hot and cold and cyclical interests. And like, I will also cycle between interests. So like, but I'm like, wargaming is always there or gosh, look at like bloodborne. Like I probably picked it up eight months ago as well and dabbled around for a little bit and now back into it. So they'll bounce around. I do find like it, it is so much, um, it is so much more time consuming D- depending on, I guess I should say, depending on the games. Like if I'm playing red flag over Paris, yeah, that just takes like an hour to play 30 minutes to play, whatever. That's no big deal. If you know, I'm doing line of battle or front towards enemy and trying to play as much of that as I can, then yeah. And then, you know, you throw young kids in the mix, which, you know, that's been a conversation through the, through a lot of these conversations, You're just like playing with young kids and playing with our families and stuff. So then you got to weigh that against like, Obviously, I can't play five RPGs a night and draw maps right right read you know, like when you're first getting into <laughs> RPGs, like let's say you're like, all right, I'm going to play d and d fifth edition, like well, there's still two hundred you know pages of text you have to go read, and like you gotta find time for that and prep if you're running it or just playing it, so yeah, well,
1: you know if, I, if you don't mind me asking, like so the thing that I find incredible you know, in, in, in you know, you know, listening to your podcast, talking with you during RPGs, the thing I find incredible, you know, as I, you know, interact with you is obviously your deltoids. But secondly, it's the, how do you get so much? When I had my first kid, I, I, it knocked me on my ass. And somehow I feel like, you know, I've watched you or listened to, you know, you started a gaming convention, you play, you know, a lot of RPGs, you get a lot of board gaming in, uh, you have a podcast which requires, you know, an active amount of, like, I, I don't know how you squeeze it all in. Uh, it's amazing in a way, because when I, yeah, when my first kid came, like, it just, I felt like I'm never going to get to do anything for myself ever again, um, but in a great way.
0: Uh. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel that all the time uh it was a lot of scaling back okay um and it was also like props to one having this super supportive family um like the game convention thing has been like lots of conversations like should we keep doing this this year and like well, we have this momentum let's go for it. like you know we got another one on the way but you know you, you like we want to build off the first year so i don't want to like just drop it for three years and then anyways <laughs> right um so some of it's just like you got to stick to it if you want to get anything out of it um not that i'm trying to get anything out of i just wanted to be a good time anyways um as far as like the gaming stuff like my wife is the freaking sleep whisperer like our daughter Uh. was sleeping through the night so like within cat are you down here she's not down here i was gonna ask her like um three months um or so four months maybe i don't know i don't remember now but like it's she's very routine based so like our daughter is always asleep she okay. a few months ago moved to 8 p.m but she was 7 30 p.m okay so that was like and then usually it's like i work in a small office and so my lunch break is usually like i'll just get out of the office and like read rules and and stuff like oh, that nice. for my lunch nice. so
1: okay so that and and it helps i mean I, I will say like yeah once i mean i know this is a lot of people have kids out there and obviously people know like once your kids start sleeping through the night to some degree, even if it's like from 1am till 6am, you sort of get some of that normal feeling returned right. to you. And then right. you feel like, Oh, I am going to survive this and I will have a life. And yeah, you know, maybe I'll try reading a book or something or get a game out. Um, do you,
0: your, your eldest is not, is it, board gaming age or not really no we're playing some like hobbit games and stuff so she's two and a half but really it's more like Ah, let's just get them out and like uh just see what she does with it and like we usually come up with our own games which is like her you know doing something for a little bit and nice yeah that's good i'm just trying to how how when did you start playing games with your kids
1: so i'm trying to think you know my son i'm trying to think i I sort of did actually exactly what you just described where you know we would have access and allies laying around and I would pull it out and I would just let him have the map and he would just rearrange pieces on I think this is what he did and he would just put the pieces on the map and line them up in different ways and stuff like that um and it's kind of interesting you know as my kids have gotten older so I have two kids my son is 15 he'll be 16 in a couple months my daughter is 12 and They actually, I think my daughter is more of the gamer than my son. And the thing that she craves the most is actually Dungeons and Dragons, not really board games. They both really like Merchants and Marauders. Uh, I don't know if it's like the Pirates of the Caribbean sort of vibe that they got from it that really intrigued them. But they don't play, they don't love board games. Um, My wife is also not a huge board gamer, but there are some that, you know, she... You know, they all love Catan. Um, my wife, uh, is it Viticulture? Is that the one about the... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we tried that with the kids, and they didn't love it, but my wife and I were like, oh, this is kind of fun. Um, there's some periodic table board game my son really likes, but it's more because he's you know into chemistry. Um, but when it started, I, I think we were trying to give them something to do that wasn't TV or video games and, you know, you know, so there's like the dumb ones, like, I mean, I shouldn't say dumb, but, um, like, sorry. Uh, sure. But as soon as like they could do part cheesy, we sort of dumped sorry, and switched in part cheesy. Um, but yeah, at this point, my son has a D and group th- through friends at the high school. um, And it's cool. Yeah. Like he has a friend, he's in the robotics club and his friend in the robotics club says, Hey, I'm going to start running the, um, Icewind Dale fifth edition campaign. And you know, my, my kids had played with their cousins and really loved it. And I feel badly because, you know, my daughter is in sixth grade and I don't know if there's a gaming club yet. And I don't know if she'd be willing to give it a shot with people like that were strangers at first, but maybe friends later. She really loves D&D um, when we play it with our cousins, with, with her cousins. Um, and that was part of what the pandemic got started. I think the cousins were into D&D first, but I obviously had the books and I was always like, if you ever want to try it, you know, but I didn't want to push it. Um, but when the pandemic kicked in, we realized we're not going to be able to see the the cousins as much for a little while. And, you know, looking for a reason to go down one of any of 200 rabbit holes. I was like, I wonder if you could stream this stuff. And so I started figuring out a way to, yeah, like stream D and D so that they could see it in, you know, in where they live and my kids could be around the table. And, uh, and my daughters instantly sort of fell in love with it. And I feel badly because, you know, as, things have started to return a little bit to normal and we've gotten a lot more busy and, like, you know, the cousins now aren't locked in their house every weekend. It's sort of fallen off a little bit. So we haven't been able to keep it up so much.
0: Yeah, Um, you know, it's I've wondered if, you know, you ask, like, how do you do all this stuff? And one, I I don't think it's that much stuff. But two, I do think it's like, oh, shit. Like, once tumbling or ballet or some shit, like, starts (laughs) actually... Like, (laughs) right now, you know, there's only you know she doesn't do much you know she's in right. bed by 7 30 <laughs> you know, she's two and a half don't like, eat we, the we go play. <laughs> Right? yeah like <laughs> i like we go to the park and playground and stuff but like that's never doing like i'm not s- scheduling games during that time but it's like ah shit like what's gonna happen when she's like has <laughs> shit to do Anyways, right like but. soccer practice
1: and you right. gotta be out there for two hours. yeah i could see that um i mean it's not like I, I did see that yeah uh, but I, I will say like, I, I just, um, I mean, maybe it's just cause I'm intensely lazy, but I, I could not, I could not have
0: had the energy to do all the
1: things. Uh,
0: yeah. Well, uh, there was also conscious like, all right, something's gotta go. And unfortunately it was RPGs, like a lot of RPG scaling back one. You gotta remember RPGs to me was, you know, new to it two years ago. Okay. Um, or I guess geez, three years ago by this point. And um so it's like, oh, I want to symbol everything. Like this sounds amazing, this sounds amazing, I wanna do, right, right. do this, I wanna do this, I wanna do this, I wanna do this, and then like that was just unsustainable. So I gotta ask you, how
1: long was it from when you started to get into RPGs until you GM'd the for the players that were in it the the famous alien campaign?
0: Uh, I started Alien, so gosh, when was our first Alien game? Because I bought Symbarome in, not Simbarome, I bought, um, oh, what's that game I dropped from? That's from Free League that you guys play, Forbidden Lands, is that it? Oh,
1: Forbidden Lands, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I bought Forbidden Lands in April, and then I did Fear Itself was the first like RPG thing I did that fall. When did we start the new year after that? So if I bought it in April of 2019, I think we started in January of 2020 right. or something like that. So,
1: so the, the takeaway I'm getting is it doesn't seem like you were that far into this RPG road when you ran. Oh No, the, not at all. Yeah. Uh-uh. One of the best campaigns I've ever been in. So oh, well, thank you. And then it wasn't just that. Um, I mean, you know, like, it wasn't just that. It's when you described what you were thinking for follow-ups, where I was like, whoa, this is like a sort of a really interesting... I don't know if you had that from the get-go, or if that sort of naturally developed as you ran it, but um, what you had in mind for later adventures and seasons, or whatever you want to call it, I was like, yeah, that's a really fascinating... Aggression.
0: that came about 50 percent like um i don't know i i was like i had a brainstorming session at work one day and then i was like oh this is kind of like uh like i knew by that point where i eventually wanted um alien to end uh or at least season one for trogan Justice. justice right. and then then it stormed into like oh that's kind of a cool place to end and it'll probably end I I had assumed uh, a lot of death is what I assumed. <laughs> I won't, I won't indicate which way it went, but then it's like, well, that, that would leave things like up in the air. So then like knowing where it's going to end, which was more or less like a place kind of untouched by civilization basically gave me like a blank canvas and not that it was like that thoughtful or anything but it's like, Oh, it'd be really cool to like, then revisit those same things. Yeah. And so I don't know, it just kind of brainstorm session popped into my head one day.
1: And so I was, you know, talking earlier about, you know, alien all these settings. What was it about What was it about alien that was it just you fan of the movies or was it the setting or was it something in the in the source books that clicked or
0: yeah, I think it was, I think it was a lot more to free league so much more than the movies. Like I, I of course, like alien and aliens and, and like the predator movies and stuff. I do generally like action films, but I'm not like that stuff's. You know, you got to remember that stuff predates me by quite a bit. Um, And okay. so like, yeah. I didn't grow up with that stuff. And like, that wasn't in the zeitgeist. guy. I mean, like, I guess AVP was like a big deal when that came out in middle school or something like that. Um, So a lot of it was just like the production quality of the rule book. And then the thought of like, I don't know, you're just truckers and you know, (laughs) they give you advice, like not everything has to be, you don't have to hit a big bad guy every time. And so that was kind of the, the thought process is like, okay, so where do I take this? And so I started to think about that and then bugs Life popped into my head. And that was the inspiration for the very first adventure um was you guys doing a bugs life thing and then i just kind of took off from there and spun Um, out. yeah Yeah. right
1: yeah now are you one of the if you allow me are you one of the types of people that are like i should turn this campaign into a book like you some people okay you don't have aspirations Uh, do uh, do you i mean like i would love to not specifically role-playing games but i i mean yeah like i confess i would love to spend my days getting paid to write that would be the dream sure yeah um yeah if i could be a novelist that would be amazing yeah
0: but that's hard i'm lazy yeah and there's key parties yeah, exactly all those key parties Call sucking back. up our time i do exactly. like i do have big goals for everything i get sucked into like of course i've thought about yeah um war games i could design and then at some point um, Scar and Scarf will actually come to fruition and, and I'll have an RPG that's the most realistic one but even even in terms of just like thinking in campaigns I don't ever really think small like I just throw myself into things it's like Bloodborne <laughs> like you start talking about Bloodborne again like we start talking and then like now it's like every nap I'm throwing myself into a, like a Bloodborne like I got last night I was I got home I went in the office to like catch up on some work before the baby comes and then I was like I really need to edit this episode, but also I watched this cool video and like forgot about the Serian Bloodborne that I want to go back to.
1: Right. Right. Kind of the same way. Yeah, no, I know exactly what
0: you're talking about. So then like when I'm hyped up on RPGs, it'd be like, Oh man, it'd be so cool if the players like did the, especially rebirth, man. It's like, Oh man, I can send the players over to Eng- like England and they could do all this shit. And like, I'm thinking like 10 years in the future at the rate we're going <laughs> and Like we've hardly even started like the first scenario in the, right
1: it's really good yeah but yeah i I could see how we've sort of just started to scratch the surface yeah all right is is that the one that if is that the one that is the one like is the genesis the one that is the one that sort of captures your interests and consumes in a way
0: yes and that's so you know um just goals over the next few months is uh uh genesis continue to mess around with uh foundry and nice. call it cthulhu just you know eldritch shit always interests me um yeah
1: and the tomstown stuff has been good i've been, i haven't listened to the last one or two but the other ones i listened to are really fun
0: yeah it's and that's just a good system but that that isn't as much uh we're in the middle of something called have you seen the yellow sign that'll also pick up but so to answer your question it's rebirth and um rebirth when when the baby comes i'm going to try to do some work on rebirth and then also eventually start gearing up for hellboy oh nice very nice so what about you besides besides uh 2300 ad is is there anything on the the ones yeah the ones
1: that uh you know the problem i have is that i i i prep a lot and so by the time i start a game you know everything like with M Space, like I've made all the maps. I've, you know, made all the NPCs. Like I have all my notes. So I, I try and remember everything. I try and reread the rules just so I don't forget too much, but there's not a lot to do. And so what I end up doing is I, because I am always so fascinated by it, I start prepping something else. And so right now, like I've been prepping like a spy game. And there's also this game that I know you and I have sort of talked about, uh, Shadow of the Demon Lords. Yes. Um, and so I start prepping those. But by the time, you know, it's, it's time to run it, it's six months later, and then I'm like the next thing is like, oh, call of Cthulhu. I would like to prep that or the one ring. I, I feel like I, I feel like I'd like to somehow get a legitimate shot at that one, one way or another. Um but yeah, at the moment the ones that I, you know, aside from Salerno 43 on my bedstand and the novel I'm reading, um, the 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 RPGs on my nightstand are uh Shadows of the Demon Lord, um the spy stuff I've sort of done enough of the rules reading so i know how to i would attempt it um and then blades in the dark Oh, actually i just started and i i've heard always nothing but like the best things about the game and i don't know anything about it
0: yeah um i i do know some about it but the same basically the same level as you i know what it's about um i've heard amazing things and then uh i got the vampire one that's kind of based off of it that sounds really intriguing as well Oh, which one's that? Oh, uh, I knew you're gonna. I shouldn't have brought it up because I can't think of the name. It's pretty short. Um, it's but it uses a Blades in the Dark system, and you do the jobs oh, cool. and stuff. But each each session, you like equip a new mask, and it kind of like changes oh. how your character plays each time. And it's nice. um, yeah, it's it. I would really like to play. There are so a lot of my rpgs were up in the second baby's room and like obviously that's <laughs> right, right so like i was i was packing stuff up and getting rid of stuff and like putting new shelves and i was like oh yeah i've got this i should because i went balls deep once like i started hell yeah rpgs so yeah all right there's, there's only one depth to go to that's right that's right it's the so, balls i've got to keep this move. not that I I think one any of these topics I feel like we could just talk about. for forever. I apologize. Yeah, I'm dragging and, this out. And no, you're not dragging this out. Um, but we do have a lightning round to get to. And you know what? It's just I was this was going to be the debut episode of Gossip Dads, and we're just mm. going to have to continue to scratch that and leave that hanging for all the listeners. But let's do. Unless there's anything else that you want to like do a final wrap up on. Uh, I'm ready for the hot seat if you are.
1: Let's 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 do the hot seat. Let's let's do the lightning round.
0: All right. Okay, here we go. So it's yeah, it's just lightning questions. Um so right. answer and we'll probably get off track and keep this thing going for another three. <laughs> XO hours, XO, but... XO lightning round. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Uh favorite shipwreck movie, TV show, or book? Ooh. Um
1: man. Movie, TV show or book a shipwreck. Uh God. That's nuts. Um <laughs> I can tell you it's definitely not Titanic. Um <laughs> Fair. I can tell you know what I'll I'll say this. I, I don't know if this is my all-time favorite, but if specifically a shipwreck, I will I will give uh what's the one with Wilson the volleyball? Oh, Castaway. Yeah, that's not quite a shipwreck, but I give that movie a lot of credit because it's like one guy talking to a volleyball for like an hour and a half. And <laughs> on paper like this is Stupid, and it's solid. And then when the volleyball floats away, a spoiler, oh, so like st-
0: gut wrenching.
1: People are crying over a stupid volleyball, and I was like, you know what? They they did something there. So I'll say I'll say Castaway, or a long long time ago, the very first movie I ever saw. I was literally like two and a half years old. It's called like uh, The Brothers Something. It's about five brothers. It's a World War II movie. Based on a true story, it's the reason why brothers can't be in the same unit, because there are these five, the the brothers something, there's five brothers on a ship, and the ship went down, and they all, the brothers Sullivan, the brothers, and they all sadly passed away. It's not quite the same idea, but I found it, again, it's the very first movie I ever saw. It's always stuck in my mind for some reason. It's technically about a shipwreck in a way but the actual answer for me is castaway because I feel like on paper it shouldn't work in any way. Would you, would you count The Martian? Sure, yeah. You know what? Maybe if The Martian counts, I'll I'll go with that because that, that movie is just a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll say The Martian
0: if that's allowed.
1: Nice, yeah, sure, I'll take it. There's no rules. It took a seven-minute lightning answer. There you go.
0: Well, over the last... Uh two or three hours i've painfully glanced over the tv to watch the canes lose game seven so i'll ask you the rangers the rangers win. the ranger yeah who wins the stanley cup this year
1: um i'm gonna say the rangers actually not 100 percent sure who they're gonna play but being somebody in the tri-state new york new jersey area the rangers are my first hockey team uh before the devils came into existence and then i had to switch to the devils because i was here in jersey so i'll go the rangers
0: okay uh tiki bar or brewery
1: probably <laughs> you know what i'm going to say a tiki bar um i don't know if that's in my head i'm wearing a dumb shirt i'm drinking dumb stuff uh i don't know if that's the right thing for a tiki bar but in my head i'm just having a lot more fun somehow
0: i'll take it uh, favorite cocktail it's
1: a gin and tonic um it's that counts as a cocktail, right? Just to be sure, 100% yeah, sure. I'm not a huge drinker, um, but a gin and tonic, I find nothing nothing is easier for me to drink. So it's probably like the worst dangerous gateway, <laughs> but it's also my favorite. Nice. Uh, what's a game you've always wanted to play but haven't? A game I've always wanted to play but haven't would have to be... Well the full campaign of whiff, but if it's one, I have not touched at all, I would have to say I'm going to pick an OCS title and I will pick, um, probably Korea.
0: Nice. Uh, last great book you've read.
1: Let's see the last great book I've read. Um, you know, it's tough because I, I tend to, Reread books, and I can't remember. One of the last great books I've read was actually Graham Greene's Our Man in Havana. Um, during the pandemic, I've kind of gone, gone with like sort of dumber books, um, <laughs> okay. if that makes sense, you know, just like turn your brain off kind of stuff. Sure. Um, I feel like I've tried to tackle some good ones though, and I just, but I like I reread like The Spy Who Came in from the Cold, mm. uh, but mm. for the first time, probably. You know what? I'll say um, I think I read uh it's by Murakami 198Q or something oh, like that. Oh yeah. Uh-huh.
0: I know what you're talking about.
1: Uh that might maybe I read that after Our Man in Havana and I was blown away by it. Nice. So I'll say that one.
0: Uh favorite f- fiction book? Uh
1: The Name of the Rose by Umberto Eco.
0: Favorite nonfiction?
1: Favorite nonfiction is probably that one's a little trickier you know i loved the uh army at dawn trilogy oh nice um, i don't know i don't know if that's an answer a lot of people would pick but there was something especially i mean the first one obviously won you know the polish prize so it's not nothing but um there was just something very approachable about that book uh, there were times where I was, like, laughing out loud, you know, because I, I think the author really likes Patton, and he's a fun character to, you know, to, you know, he makes... Patton's a funny guy. Um, <laughs> so I would say the first one in particular, but that Army of Dawn trilogy, I really enjoyed.
0: Nice. If you could have one movie on the island, what would you take?
1: Um, One movie. This is a tough choice. My favorite movie... Is one that a lot of people laugh at me for, but it's the thin red line. Okay. I huh. love that movie, but I think if I'm gonna watch one on repeat, it might be the last uh the last Mission Impossible movie. Whoa. Just turn my brain off good action fist fights, helicopters. Yeah. Rebecca Ferguson. Um, huh,
0: okay. Is it good? I haven't um, watched a Mission Impossible in a long time.
1: Uh, Mission Impossible is a really interesting series. The first one is really... If you've seen that one, it's really interesting. It's very different. The second one is bad. Okay. Um, the third one, J.J. Abrams tries to get the fun back on track, and I think he mostly succeeds. The fourth one definitely gets the fun back on track. The fifth one is when the guy who wrote The Usual Suspects takes over. Huh. And it turns into some of the best action movies ever made. and they're, like, cleverly plotted. It's not just explosions. but The stunts and the practical filmmaking are top-notch. Um, but, yeah, 5, 6, and I guess 7 is coming out. Uh, 5 and 6 are phenomenal. And wow. it's when Christopher McQuarrie takes over.
0: Okay. Uh, if you can have one video game on the island.
1: Ooh, one video game is probably going to be... You know... The, the the easy answer is Elden Ring because it takes everything about souls and makes it huge. But at the same time, like I specifically went through a playthrough and saw as much as I could. And so I think the game I'm actually gonna pick here is Neverwinter Nights. The okay. the f- first one. One the 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 adventure itself is solid. There's tons of modules, but I think I would actually get lost in the um making my own adventures. I think that would be the part that takes over and fills the time
0: nice okay uh favorite pinball machine
1: Ooh. um i gotta tell you it's been so long since i played a pinball machine that i honestly can't remember the ones i played when i was a kid was there like a, a jurassic park one sure
0: yeah i guarantee there was
1: that's the one I, for some reason i remember playing a jurassic park one and really liking it
0: okay Nice. Probably wasn't one, but I don't know. <laughs> um rules light or rules intensive RPG? Uh for me, if you asked me this like a year ago, I probably
1: would have said rules intensive, but I think I'm starting to and uh Forbidden Land sort of opened my eyes. Aliens, that system sort of opens my eyes to what an elegant rules medium can do. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Um, So that's why like suddenly I start looking at shadows of a demon Lord instead of fifth edition. You know, it's, there's like an elegance to it that I am starting to appreciate more. Yeah. So I guess elegance implies to some degree rules. light. I don't want to go like PBTA or something. That's crazy. But um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so maybe a little bit more rules light if it's elegant and packs a lot of punch.
0: Okay, nice. Sci-fi or fantasy? Sci-fi, hands down. Alien or Aliens?
1: Alien by a million miles. And this is another, you know, thing that I get ridiculed. I'll take Alien 3 over Aliens. Wow. Yeah, because <laughs> Alien 3, I feel like at least tries to go for the vibe that the first one established where the second one just, just, this is like a pair of truck nuts with guns. You know, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's not really the same thing, you know, so that's, yeah. It's not the better movie, but it's it's the alien universe as I picture it in the third one. Fair. Not the second so much.
0: Fair. D100 or D20?
1: Uh, I prefer D100 um because on some level they're sort of the same thing. D100 is a little more granular and the reason why I actually like D100 systems is because I feel like it's just a very instant way for people to understand Mm. their chance of doing something. It's Fair. just like yeah, it's like it's eighty percent. I mean, as like, you know, Nate Silver five thirty eight will tell you, people actually don't understand what you know eighty <laughs> percent means. But um but I think we've internalized it and it just feels like a very natural way to decide something.
0: Okay. Uh best city to get barbecue. Uh so I know the best city I've
1: ever had barbecue in is Nashville. But Okay. I have not had Kansas city. I have not been to Texas and had bar. I've been to Texas once or twice, but I've never had barbecue, you know, but Nashville is where I had the best barbecue
0: when I lived there. That's a respectable answer. As long as you didn't say like Portland.
1: Yeah. Or
0: like, (laughs) yeah, right. Jersey city or something like that. Right.
1: There, there is decent barbecue obviously in New York city. Um, and one of the best places in New York city actually started in upstate New York, uh, which is bizarre to think that Syracuse sort of exported one of the best Barbecue place. It's to New York City, but it's a dinosaur barbecue. Huh.
0: Okay. Uh the Pacific or Band of Brothers?
1: Uh, I'm gonna say Band of Brothers. I appreciate that the Pacific really tried to tackle something. Um it, it, it was gonna be hard to do. Like Band of Brothers sort of picked this very specific slice and executed it really well. Right. Uh the Pacific tried to do something much larger and I think by shifting away from you know actors at different points it it felt more like we have to check the box and cover this battle than because I think it was based on a couple of books not just like a singular it was yeah and I feel like in trying to marry those things it just doesn't feel the same as Band of Brothers which you, you you really get to know these guys for sure which is the whole point
0: favorite war game my favorite war game is probably,
1: uh, man. The best, my favorite time I've had with a war game, I've really spent some time with is Axis Empires, uh, the the Europe one. Nice. Um, I like the scope and then I like the elegance, and there's just something about spinning down those random charts where you roll a d6 mm-hmm. and it sends you over there and it sends you over. Th- like in the end, it's like add an armor unit to the force pool, but. <laughs> You did but thirty in, charts to get there. Right, right. But there was or the cards. It just if yeah, I, I just had a blast.
0: Yeah. Nice. Uh if you could meet and have dinner with any one historical leader, dead or alive, who'd it be? Or historical figure. Sorry.
1: Historical figure. Um Man, that's an interesting question. You know, <laughs> like sometimes like the obvious answer is like, you know, Jesus. But like, <laughs> you know, but but am I terrible? Cause I'd be like, no, but seriously, I mean, what's up. Um, cause then you'd have your answer once and for all, and it'd probably cause more problems than I would solve. But, uh, otherwise
0: I really, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> no matter which like, way you take this, it's going to be, well, it's either Jesus or, you know, like pattoners I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, th-
1: that's the thing. My, my backup answer is like, is, is somebody like Patton? Cause I'm just like, you're a genius and you're crazy and like i like the cut of your jib you're funny um so maybe my real answer is is, is patent uh, okay you <laughs> just you'd you just crap on monty the whole dinner but <laughs> that's fine it's
0: entertaining right master shit talker uh, exactly if you could do a like a full playthrough of any game on your youtube channel what would it be
1: if i uh, yeah space is not a time no matter it doesn't matter yeah I think for me it would be probably world in flames.
0: Yeah, that'd be so um, cool.
1: Right. Because that's the thing. It would definitely not be for almost anybody. <laughs> but <laughs> the people who it was for, like, I'd want th- because of what I try and do, I try and just feel like I'm talking to myself in the idea that I'm, you know, just shooting the breeze with whoever's watching. It would just be, I would hope they would get the feeling that we're just hanging around the table playing this game. And they would get some idea of what it was like to sit around a table and play that game because it's one that probably a lot of people can't do that.
0: Nice. Uh, favorite TV show? Uh, the Wire. Okay. That's going to do it. That's the hot seat. Nice. Did I get them right? Oh, uh, yeah. 50 <laughs> th- we'll say. I got a three. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Turns out the correct answer was Jesus, not Patton, is what <laughs> okay. we were looking for. Yeah. Nice. All right. Very nice. Well, I, I really appreciate this. Thank you. Yeah, no, I thank you. I, uh, I, I, this is not a, this is not supposed to be, uh, this is supposed to be about you, but I, I enjoyed the questions and the the dialogue and I always, I love when when people who are passionate about things start talking about things. And I I've mentioned this in other deserted island ads already, but it's worth mentioning again, like hearing people geek out about things is, is just it's so fun to me like just hearing you get either excited about rpgs or even like the dark soul stuff is just yeah. like because then now i'm thinking like now i'm looking at the clock like i gotta go back to work tomorrow it's gonna be a busy day like one of my last days in the office yeah uh, but, but it's just, also only cool 10 o'clock to, like go after blood Starved beast tonight you know
1: yeah you could probably do it in a couple hours right and that's <laughs> midnight and then you can still get like four hours
0: of sleep or i don't know what <laughs> So thank yeah. you for uh for doing this. I really uh Absolutely. I, I appreciate it and uh, enjoyed the the things that, that you're passionate about and just the the dialogue and uh all that stuff. Is there anything else you want to plug or say anything before we wrap it up?
1: No, no, just that um to sort of throw that back at you. I like I, you know, continue to enjoy history on the table with you and Rich and you know, I look forward to every episode and uh because it's the same thing. It's like listening to you guys sort of geek out a little bit about the war games which is you know or hockey or train, whatever you know it's just right it's it's always good to again sort of get the feeling like you're sitting around a table with two guys even though you don't get to do much of the talking
0: yeah but we, at least yeah well that's that's good i'll just say thank you for that um it's good i enjoy it as well and i think rich and i's best episodes and the most fun i have is when we get passionate about something or get really into something that's when it's the most fun for me too so
1: yeah i always like it just really quick like i always like uh i always look forward to the list where you don't have a i feel like this is a 15 like where you're sort of like both saying like i'm not 100 sure where this is going to go and then you start the the negotiation a little bit yeah
0: yeah um yeah
1: anyway all right but yeah i appreciate it and, and yeah thank you again
0: yeah no thank you All right, that's going to do it, folks. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed our our interviews with uh, Deserted Island Dads. Thank you to everyone who took the time, and thank you again, Art, for doing this. Uh, The next time you hear from me, it should be a normal uh, History on the Table. Back Back at it with Rich.